Coxie's having a yarn Cause he's got nothing better to do Coxie's having a yarn And one day he might have one with you Hi, uh, welcome back to another episode of Have a Yarn With Me. I am your host, Aaron Gox, and we have a special guest in, one of my good friends, Alexi Toliopoulos. My pleasure, Goxy, <laughs> to be here with you today. A reunion uh, after many, many, many moons <laughs> yeah. since we saw each other. Well, that's the thing. I say good friend, but I, uh, full disclosure, I did just ask you off air how to pronounce your name <laughs> properly. And we've so known each other as 10 good years. friends do, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that, could be that, that could be that further than like... You're such good friends that you, yeah. you're like, well, we don't use surnames. Exactly. You know? We're just like... Well, I've never said your first name out loud. Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do get that where, um, on like working on things. They're like, should I call you Aaron or Goxy? I'm like, <laughs> I really haven't thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Except one time when I was like super bad depression and like everything is like yeah. uh, magnified. Mm. And I'm like, I got real sensitive about um, like, someone just call me Gox. Yeah. But that can be like one letter can be a big difference. Like, yeah. Plus they were... Someone was working for me, so <laughs> <laughs> this Mis- is meant to be my personal assistant. Exactly, like- <laughs> Mr. Gox to you, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, enough dark stuff there. But no, um, thank you for coming on. Um, this is a. Um, I was thinking how how to present to present you like mm-hmm. with what you do, and it's a common thing for many of us where yep. we have to just have a lot many things bubbling, right? So yeah, absolutely. I was thinking like presenter would yeah. that be one um, i guess so you are presenter podcaster I do, podcaster I, I still like even though i don't really do stand-up anymore i still like comedian because i feel like it describes yeah. who you are more than just like just what a you funny do fella, yeah. yeah so uh, you know and film critic celebrator of film and shit yeah. like that it's hard to put that title yeah so you usually well, just like, say multidisciplinary <laughs> yeah arts worker yeah and it's like podcasters <laughs> like is what that, does that mean? Does that lump you in with like the Joe Rogans? <laughs> <laughs> Although he's got a few things going too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got yeah, a few, a few th- through projects. It's almost like like you, you, your things are big enough now, Joe. Just go with one. Like, <laughs> you don't have to keep them all bubbling anymore. But, but some people just work at it, right? Yeah, yeah. This can be Joe. Like Joe, you don't need to do stand up anymore, <laughs> man. You can just pull the brakes on that one. Yeah. Um. So I, I have this thing. Um. Maybe it's like I said with. Mm-hmm. Dip- like mental health and stuff where things can be magnified and overreacting where um, it, w- it was particularly magnified. Sorry to get mm. dark again, but no, when, I, no. when I had the bad mental health, I'm, I'm thankfully over it now. But um, um, what I was going to say is with you, when I say podcaster, is there any, um, I don't know if stigma is the right word about mm. it, but there's always this battle with like the internet, um, people who use the internet to get their stuff out versus traditional media, mm. right? And it's... So what I was saying, I had this thing where I hated people going like, oh, it's the guy from Facebook. Yeah. It's the guy... You know, it's, yeah. it's the guy from the internet. Well, they didn't say internet, but... Exactly. Uh, mainly Facebook. Like, it's a Facebook guy. Yeah. And I was like... When I was in a bad way, I was like, I could hear people like saying it and stuff mm. and it freaked me out. I was like, yeah. So that's why I meant like like podcasts. It could have just be like presenter is a nice round. It's nice. But I, I, don't, I, I understand what you mean because I think there is so much of, you know, people like you and I who are in the arts, especially in comedy, yeah. where you really have to forge your own path and yeah. you have to make your own way. Absolutely. And you, it, sometimes there can be, especially, you know, we're in a really gossipy, bitchy community of comedians. Yeah. Well, I, I guess for and me- And you and I are guilty of that yeah. as well. I guess for mine, like they might not have meant anything bad by yeah. it. Exactly. And probably didn't, but I was like 
very self-aware where I'm like, look, it's I just used that because I didn't know what else to use. Exactly. I, but because in my mind, I was lumping myself in with like, you know, there's a lot of like ultimate pranks or yeah. epic pranks or like, you know, let's be honest, the internet up until then had been known as like big mm. for that type of thing. And for me, I often cite like Auntie Donna as a big thing of like, Absolutely. you can be a bit smarter. You don't have mm. to be arrogant. Um Whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially because, like, you know, you're a comedian and you're an artist When in your comedy. You express yeah. your art through it. And I think sometimes you have that stigma going like, oh, do they only see me as, like, this guy that did these videos? Whereas, yeah. like, you know, you, you're a comedian, but you're a serious artist when you express yourself, like, on stage and oh, stuff. Oh, mate, very... Like- <laughs> so, it's probably, like, I often have that same thing where it's, like, you know, if some of the podcasts I've made are real silly, easy things to do. And then some of them... Are just like ones where I put all my whole life and my whole energy into them. Yeah. And sometimes where someone goes, "Oh, I like that thing you did." I go, "Well, actually, what I do is much more complicated." And, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. all you can do, and you get and stuck in your head with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it, I admit it was me amplifying mm. it more than I should, but um, they, these like pre-existing stigmas and yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. So basically, what I'm trying to say is. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, presenter. Uh, yeah, like you, you got a few <laughs> things bubbling, right? Exactly. Yeah, multi hyphen there. Yeah, would um, you know, like like for me, I really love acting. I love acting stuff. Do you? Can you th- like? Do you just like them all kind of equally, or is there one thing you'd? Oh, I'm not putting you on the spot here, but I don't uh, know, man. I do love them all. Everything that I kind of do. I do because I love it. I guess I'm in yeah. a, a nice spot these days where I get to do the things that I like doing, what I love doing. Yeah. Sometimes, it depends. Sometimes, like I think the thing that I love making, doing the most and making the most is like those kind of like docos that I make with Cam James. Mm. Like that is something that I love doing and I do hope I get to do for fucking ever, man. Yeah. But they're those things that you can't just you can't just do it on yourself. You need a little bit of back. Well, I think it's them. a little bit like the acting because it's like something mm. that's been made out of nothing. Exactly. Like, um, and us being fans of, mm-hmm. of entertainment, arts, whatever you want to call it, you know, music, movies, yeah. to have that tangible thing. Whereas, I don't know, if there's, is there physical copies of your... Because oh. <laughs> me growing we got up, got artifacts. In a- hey, right yeah. behind you, I got two artifacts yeah, there. Yeah, that's I got awesome. The, we had to print out the posters ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like obviously. Um, you know, with modern technology, you've got online things, mm. etc. And there's, you don't need that physical. But for me, growing up, being into bands and stuff, and mm. like I always knew that as a, a significant moment in a band's history. Of yeah. Like, oh, they put out the EP, put out the album, mm. and they'd have like a launch, right? Like a seven-inch single launch yeah. or whatever to, for that physical thing. So, yeah, um, for me, it was like. Um, like movies, like mm. I got to be in the merger, which is so awesome. It's yeah. still one of my highlights. It's to awesome to be in a movie. Yeah, and to think there's like that physical. I, I don't know. There's probably not that many DVDs out yeah. there, but it's like still pretty cool. I would love to be on a DVD one day. <laughs> it's my one of Fuck my yeah. dreams to be on a DVD. I mean, like um, our dear friend Craig Anderson, he yeah. made the movie uh, Red Christmas. And I worked on that. I was the first AD for like, I think, only a, only a bit over a weekend of the shoot. 
And on the US release of the Blu-ray, my name is on the back of the cover in the credits. Uh-huh. And I always keep that one because I'm that's just like, sick. that's crazy that I've got my little name just on a DVD. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, I'm a collector. I've got I, all I these Blu-rays was, and DVDs everywhere. Awesome. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. that. so far, that's the only DVD that I'm on. Bec- that's <laughs> like, yeah, like I talk about the progression from the fan to like mm. now making it. And um, yeah. I tell you, it is kind of weird because... It's it is interesting because I I guess I come from comedy background first, but also like I studied film. I took it really seriously. I'm also like a film critic, and weirdly now getting to a higher level with both of those things, yeah. where I'm not just like doing my own output. People are asking me to do things. I think that's like the weird thing where I'm at now, man. That you kind of making me think about. Um, whereas like I am getting the call up to like do the commentary tracks for like big famous Australian movies yeah. now like the Peter Weir film The Last Wave I'm doing the commentary track for the new release coming out soon I've written essays and like special features yeah. and stuff for uh, about like the history of productions and like these films that come out on like DVD and I, those are the things I'm like holy shit am I like respected yeah like, like am I respected in this yeah, field yeah well I often ask um, guests I'll, I'll mm-hmm. do that with you about the like um you kind of like sounds a bit cheesy, but pinch yourself moment where it's like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm doing this, and yeah, wow, that's actually a good pinch yourself moment. I would say getting asked to do the last wave commentary, like you don't have to say it's been asked to be on this, but oh, it's listen, yeah. this is in my top five. This yeah. is my top five <laughs> highlights as it has been going so far. Um, I would, I think some of those things like that have been like, yeah. whoa, have I got to this new point? Yeah, but then I would say like, um. Man, like the first time I got to do a panel show, like proper on Question Everything with Will Anderson, it's like, holy shit, like that was the stuff I always dreamed of doing. I was so stoked when I started seeing on those stuff. This is like, yeah. Man, it was like, holy fuck, (laughs) this is what I've always wanted to do. It's why I want to do comedy. I was like, oh, I could do that one day. And then when I first got like the call up to do it, and then they, uh, I was like, that was exciting. And then they asked me to do the first episode. I was like, holy shit, I'm moving on the first episode. And they kept getting me back. And I would say, like, each time I was like, holy shit. This yeah. is something. I feel like I achieved well, people, what I wanted to people do. People like me and you, I hope you don't mind me mm-hmm. using the word nerd. But of course. We, we of love course. to just nerd out, talk yeah. about stuff, right? Exactly. And then when it becomes like, oh, like people want to watch me, want to mm. hear me talk about stuff. Like, this is so good. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, like, it was a feeling for me when things started going better because it's like mm-hmm. justifying all those like playing to no one for years. Mm-hmm. Like when I say no one, it was like, Six or seven people. Yeah. <laughs> Never no one. Yeah. You always had a couple There was in a there. few no ones. There. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right, Alexi. So, as we do on this show, we want the full want the full journey. So, mm-hmm. take us... Can you take us right back to the, to to the, the first? F- formative years? Of, My um, first days popping out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I was... Uh, I grew up in Sydney. I grew up in the inner city, like a... Like inner West areas, they're like uh, so you lived through chill. Olympic fever and all that. Absolutely, yeah. I was yeah. here for the millennium. I was here for Olympic fever. I saw Taekwondo oh, at yeah. the Olympics in so Sydney. Did you, did you ride the? Because um, we'd be like similar sort of age. I think you're a bit younger. Yeah, I'm around. Like I wouldn't say my real age. Yeah. I'm in my early thirties. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, so you're I'm thirty eight. Yeah. Mind. So you're a fair bit younger. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I think it was the early '93 they announced it or something. Do you do you remember anything of that? Or probably hate. I don't remember. remember when they announced it, yeah. but I do remember the build up. Because that's it. the thing I wonder. 
about because I'm from Brisbane. I wonder yep. about people who've lived in Sydney their whole yeah. life, like the announcement years, yeah. and then it actually happening. And like, because I've heard just secondhand. I didn't. Mm. I didn't come down at all. I was just up yeah. in Brisbane. But I've heard second, even through like the veteran comedians yeah. talking about like everyone was out and about, yeah. money, money flowing, and <laughs> it was like that, man. Because I remember it like quite vividly. I would because I would have been like eight or nine when it was happening. Yeah, and I just remember like the actual Olympics or the actual Olympics. Oh, okay. the actual Olympics. So you would have been super young. You would have been too young for the announcement. I would. I don't remember the announcement, or, but I do remember hearing it. Like because you know they played it all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. And Sydney, the winner yeah, is yeah. Sydney, you know. And, and then, like I said, that was ninety three, so it was seven years. Exactly. So there would have been a massive build up ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. It was humongous. I it was all encompassing, truly, because I had I had like all the beanie baby toys of Sid, Millie, Ollie, oh, yeah. and Lizzie, and the uh, Paralympics uh, mascot as well, because it was just like it. it it's so funny because I don't think about it very often, but it was for people my age in Sydney, it would have just been like this all encompassing experience because yeah. it was everywhere. We were in school, we studied Olympics history that year. Like, <laughs> no matter what year you would have been at school, we did Olympics history. We did like ancient Greek Olympics. We did the modern Olympics. We learned about like the changes that they made, like the significant points in history. Like, even though we were pretty young, like, we learned about uh, the, like, you know, the Berlin Olympics, like pre World War Two and all that stuff. Oh, wow. And then you learn about um uh you know the what well, I can't remember what Olympics it was, but the uh two African American uh oh, yeah. runners and the Australian guy that was with them. Yeah, yeah. Like we learned about that. Obviously it's been like Did it have 20 a patriotic years. spin to it where they're like and this is why this one's going to be so much better. Like, Absolutely. I think yeah. we had, they would have been like a lot of celebration of Australia's history, like in the Olympics. Like, we actually do really good. We do well for oh, our medals yeah. and all that stuff. And the uh, uh, the Melbourne Olympics, we learned about that. Yeah. And both my parents were born the year of the Melbourne Olympics. Wow. So I think that there was part of that where I was like, oh, wow, this yeah. is like the tradition going on or yeah, something, you yeah. know? And then I guess. Um, like I was saying, mm. the economical stuff with mm-hmm. the city thriving, literally like everything being built. Yeah. And was, I know it was like out of the home bush or whatever. Yeah. So what what was your sort of growing up area or? Uh, I grew up in Leichhardt and Dulwich Hill. So oh, yeah. they're pretty, you know, Greek Italian areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and near the harbour and that. and Oh, kind of. They were in um, their... Like I went to school near the harbour as well because I went to school in like near Glebe. So I grew up watching Water Rats. So my view of Sydney is like your your life revolves around the harbour, right? But the reality is like it's for it's only a select few Mm -hmm. are like right on the harbour, right? Yeah, we weren't that close, but we're kind of like close to the city, very close to the city. And um, yeah, it was very nice. I I still live in that kind of area, so I like I wander past there. I go to my butcher in Dollar Chill all the time. (laughs) So is that um. I guess like 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 I said, I'm from Brisbane, but mm-hmm. out of suburbs, so things are a little bit slower out there. But um, is that inner city pace of life like normal for you? I guess yeah, like, I would. It's pretty much like in between suburbs and city. Like it's yeah. like not quite suburban area, but it's also not like you know when but you not see this New York and all yeah. living in apartment buildings and. But all also, that there's stuff. this kind of Aussie suburb image of like mm-hmm. um, put the bin out on the street and play cricket. But like, yeah. I'm I'm sure. 
from the sounds of it, like these streets are like flowing with traffic, right? And yeah, I lived on main roads. Yeah. Always lived on main roads. Like I lived on Can- New Canterbury Road, which is like a big, uh, like a uh, big road heading for like through the inner west to the west. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I grew up with my mom and my grand, my grand, my Greek grandparents as well. So yeah. it's like always very. You know, I grew up very Greek, I would say. Yeah, well, that's like that's what interests me. And I was t- mm-hmm. telling you I'm interested in the podcast Community Notice Board about listening to people's growing up experience because I think it shapes how you see things. Mm. And I'm, I've got that very, like, suburban view mm. and things like The Castle, like, really resonated with Absolutely. me. Absolutely, great movie. Yeah, and... But I also feel I'm in between where I'm, like... I wouldn't say I'm, like, sleepy country townish, mm. but also... When I I still got if I go close into cities now it still feels like yeah. hustle and bustle of like oh man like like if Fitzroy and Melbourne Collingwood if I'm here like whatever Broadway it still feels like go go yeah and um some of like I remember when like footy players from Queensland would go down there like I couldn't handle Sydney I'm yeah. like. <laughs> Part of me is like, what are you talking like? You know, but then I get it. I get yeah. it. Like the rat race. You exactly. Know? Like, so, I, but is that what I'm trying to say? Is that just normal to you? Do you think like, man, I think so. It still shapes who I am. Like I don't know how to drive because I grew up in the city. Yeah. So I just get public transport everywhere wow. or everything's walking distance or something. Do you, do you have, do you think that you'll be like that forever? Do you think you oh, can drive be, at man. one point or like, I feel, I feel like I got to start. I've got like a phobia of it. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to crash a car. That's why I always think I'm like, I'm going to crash a car. No, absolutely. Cause I'm addicted to driving. I just like, all right, you can chuck some stuff in your car. And like, yeah, you never exactly. feel like that. Like, sick oh, always. Like, I wish yeah, it'd be yeah. so convenient. Yeah. I gotta carry a fucking backpack to carry <laughs> shit around everywhere I go. Yeah. Oh, but, man. you know, that's it. Like, you hear, like, um, like Spike Lee doesn't know how to drive. And I'm always like, well, you so know, he's that, a city boy. That, he's a city boy like yeah. me. We're city boys. You're we just the Aussie Spike Lee, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One of my heroes. Do the right thing, Malaka. <laughs> <laughs> Spike Lee Opelit. No, no. Oh, man. <laughs> I might take that out. <laughs> oh, you got to keep that in. Yeah, yeah. You got to right. keep that in, please, yeah. for me. So this is the this is the beauty of uh, mm-hmm. we don't know where this conversation's going. Like, yeah, I can say all sorts. Of, it's not. It wasn't bad. It wasn't. I loved bad. it. Yeah, I'm bringing in cultures together. Exactly. I give you the Malacca pass. You're been, allowed to say it. Has there? Oh, thanks. <laughs> the Malacca pass. I, I feel like I've watched enough Nick Giannopoulos. To yeah, like, yeah, dude, you watch more in, than yeah. most. Yeah. It's a funny conversation, like passes. I I played footy for this indigenous club in yeah. in Melbourne. They called Fitzroy Stars, and I used to joke that like, um, you know, you see like Eminem gets mm. accepted because they're like, yeah. oh, he can rap. He's one of like, yeah. I used to say like, oh, he's a funny white fella. That's like a, a honorary <laughs> black fella, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> has, there, has, has there been much? Oh, there's a there's a basketball now. The the Greek. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, what's his yeah. name? Yanni Sakamim. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name, but I know his name. First name is Yanni. And enter to compu, I think. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was going to say, has there been much um, African American Greek uh, culture crossover? But I don't, be something well, to look into, I don't know. I don't know much. Yeah. yeah, but I would say that Greeks absolutely go crazy for that guy. They love him so much. Yeah, one yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah, they love him. Yeah. Oh man. Um. So talking about the growing up, <laughs> um, yeah, gr- growing up around uh, Leichhardt mm-hmm. and Dutch Hill. Um, so does that like, and th- and then you started um, like the pop culture interest mm. was that from quite a young age? Or? Oh, big time! It was what I loved most. I think because um, uh, 
I'm an only child. Are you an only child as well? I have an older sister. Older sister. And so I think I was very content to be by myself a lot. And I think because of that, like a lot of what would keep me company is reading, watching movies, like playing yeah. and stuff like well, that. I, that I, kind of imaginative creativity shit. I, I joke about it. Like mm. my parents were actually good parents, but I say I was raised by the Simpsons, right? Like, yeah. But it was that thing of like, there's something about those those shows, like, mm. and that's why I'll, it's like um, it's like a comfort thing, right? Like Absolutely. sitcoms and that, you know, it's on and mm. and um, even it's though like streaming and stuff's great, but like this is a very old person view of me. Mm. But I, I, it's something I miss about the like like Simpsons seven thirty yeah. Wednesday, like you know, needing to be there and that. Yeah, it was like that, you know, that sync up where you knew that all of your friends would be watching the same shit. Yeah, yeah. So you could come back to school the next it's, day. It's too much stuff now, man. And you're like, yeah. wow, did you watch South Park last night? You go, you can talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Or if you're like, you can, f- it was a good way to find things in commonality with yeah. people. I feel like, um, there's a little bit of that with the stream, isn't there? There's like the buzz, like mm. everyone's watching Stranger Things or whatever. Yeah. I still haven't. I'm really late, come late yeah. to a lot of that stuff. I'll, I'll, 2027, I'll be like, I get it. I like Stranger Things, you know. Exactly. I think for me now is like I only watch, man, like probably three, maybe four TV shows a year yeah. where I'm just like there'll be maybe a couple of new ones. Sometimes I'll go back and watch an old thing, but I mainly watch just like a movie every single night. Yeah. So when I, it's always like I'm always just like, yeah, I guess I'm not part of this conversation yeah. about like I've never seen Succession, so I'm not part of that <laughs> conversation. So um, like I was asking about mm. um, get, getting into stuff at a young age. Yeah. Did you, um, like, it's probably, you'd have to, it's probably hard to think back, but, Mm -hmm. um, like, when you started watching stuff, it's probably just normal, like, you're Mm. watching it, and when, did did you become, like, aware, like, oh, I'm I'm watching, something I often ask guests, like, Mm. like, I ask comedians and say, um, oh, like, you know, I got that, I really got what that Mm. thing was saying, or the joke, or or I ask musicians, or, like, I really heard stuff that other people weren't hearing, do you know what I mean? Did you feel like... I'm seeing stuff yeah. that others aren't. Or like really analyzing things in a different way. I guess so. There would have been like a few examples. Like I really love Star Wars and like Indiana Jones and stuff when I was a kid. I love Steven Spielberg. I guess it was like those kind of movies that first got me into it. But then I would say like um, the one that really got me, and I've talked about a bit but it's um, the movie Looking for Alabrandi. Oh, like yeah. I remember the first time I saw that was the first time that I understood not just like those kind of movies that were like big and fantastical and uh, imaginative. This was something that I was like, oh, this is my world. This is like the neighborhoods I grew up in. This is like my life. This is like the people that I know and someone's been able to turn. Representation matters. Absolutely. I truly believe that because that was my experience seeing that movie. I was like, oh man, it made me feel like you can make stuff about your world. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to invent fucking like a Star Wars planet for like a code of religious no Jar Binks in no Jar Jar well you know yeah. it could be a cool way a yeah. cool little treat you could do a Jar Jar Alabrandi movie <laughs> that's what I'm going to pitch to Disney yeah. Plus but it was it- like those ones where I was like oh I feel like I understood who I understood what this film was and I was like oh I understand who I am in yeah. relation to it as well because like that's why I say like a lot even though there's differences in these forms of art entertainment like music to comedy to um, movies and mm. stuff there are these like overlapping themes of like um, 
say say with like say with music you've got you know it's like you got like metal punk mm-hmm. hip hop but it's people wanting to belong to something yes. right and it's that same thing where like when you find like oh I connect with this I get mm-hmm. it what it's about um and so do you did you think like it was probably way down the track mm. where um you thought I, I can be involved in this or was that an early sort of thought like I can I think I would have been very young I remember when I was a very little kid I tell you, I can almost tell you probably every job that I wanted to do when I was growing up when I was really little uh we were in Greece we lived in Greece for like 6 months and my dream job then was to be a sponge diver. Like oh, cool. in the Greek islands, they have these guys. Yeah, that the, like, the actual sponges, right? The right. actual sponges. They wear like those big, like those big uh, fishbowl helmets. They go deep underwater. They get the oxygen pumped into them and they would collect all the p- sponges. And I was like, that is the coolest job. That's what I want to be. I, f- I feel like I want to take you back there and do like a, who oh. the, where the hell you're from? You know, those SPS <laughs> shows? Yeah. And it's like, Alexi should be able to do one day of catching yeah, sponges. I would like, love it. One yeah. day, don't get the bends. You got to come up and smoke a dari on the boat, like <laughs> the old Greek sea captains yeah, did. Yeah, just hard, hard out. That's my. That was my first dream job. And then I always was like, I want to be an artist. I want to be a cartoonist because I loved drawing. Yeah. But I think that was because I didn't know how to write. So I was like, well, I can tell stories by doing yeah. like little comics and drawings. Were you, were you, did you have good drawing skills? Or when I was there was I, I, there was a point in time when I was six years old that I think I was a prodigy. I was amazing at drawing cartoons. I never got better. I oh. was like, I'm still at that point <laughs> where like back then it was like, holy crap, this that's kid a is cool so skill, talented. Like- and then I never got any better. I could never draw perspective. <laughs> I could only do a flat, flat, but that's actually flat a cool, <laughs> a cool skill to like mm. be able to make, like, like kids have this unique style yeah. where it's like, like, I mean, I could do those. I was really good at those terrible cars. Mm. that like, only kids can do like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like uh, it was like that, man. I was good, but uh, you yeah. know, not great. Well, I, I could I never love, yeah, do I it love, again. I love cartoons and stuff, yeah. but actually doing myself, I was like so bad at drawing. Yeah. Anytime I tried to like scribble something, it ended up being either like a smiley face mm-hmm. or something so basic. Yeah. <laughs> I do like stars, I like, yeah. you know, like, and then I think um, we're like because we're like young boys are heavily influenced by brands there was like yeah. a lot of like nike ticks a lot of nikes a lot of marvin the martian he was huge back eyes. in the day yeah, yeah. oh always no rules all that <laughs> kind of stuff yeah yeah i used to draw a lot of adidas like the little three stripes oh, and shit yeah, yeah, yeah always loved that man we love our brands absolutely we're of that corporate era. whores <laughs> absolutely yeah and then i guess like you know then i was like oh film is what i love most i want to do something in film Obviously, I wanted to direct. I love directing. I don't get to do it very often. But there was a point where I guess when I was in film school... Because I went to, I worked in video stores, like as in, as a teenager, oh, yeah. and Oz, I was like, Aussie Tarantino, yeah. absolutely, yeah. man. It was like my, um, I if I if they still were around, I would still work in a video store, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it would just, be my day I was, job. I would never give it up. I was just talking yesterday with Craig Anderson, mm-hmm. and um, because he also has a love of like videos yeah. and all that stuff, and very similar collectors, Craig. Yeah, and yeah, and um, so this this is the big memory I have of the video shop near me as a child. I was talking to him about it because I wanted to know whether it's a it was a rare or common thing and mm. what it was. Because um, in this modern day of like pump stuff out quick, yep. it seems like no one would... Well, for a start, video stores don't exist Yeah, at all. exactly. But what it was, when there was a new release, they'd actually paint it onto the front 
glass like oh. window of the shop. So like, like hand painted, or does like, it look like the poster? No, it's like exactly. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like early '90s. So like things were like Point Break, mm. that sort of thing. I, it's just this, it's a very vague memory I have in my mind, but I'm just like, it definitely happened. Mm. But it's just crazy to think of, like, because you know now you you either chuck up a poster yeah. or you put it on a screen or whatever. I have a vague recollection of the video store uh, that I used to go to in Dalachil. It was called. Um, Top Video was a Top Video, which I believe yeah. was, I think it was a small franchise, not one of the big ones. Um, and they, I think they used to have stuff like that, but I can't remember how it was applied because it was, it looked photorealistic to the poster. So it's not like a hand painted yeah. thing. Um, well, this was a bit off. It was like painted. Wow. So it was, so it was a bit, okay, yeah. Wow. So it was like, you know, when something like 80%, where it's yeah. like, I can clearly tell that's painted. Yeah. It's not a photo, but... This one you could touch and you yeah. could feel texture, but I don't know if it was... Yeah. I don't think it was paint. I think it, it was, was like something else. It was golden era of like um, promotion too. Like I remember... Um, yeah. Like the Truman Show. Do you remember the poster that, that had yeah. all the little different photos that made up his yeah, face? Yeah, his face. So good. I love staring at them going picking all that. Yeah. That was a big poster trend when we were kids because I remember like you could buy poster of like fucking Yoda's head yeah. but it was just like little pictures of different Star Wars shit in it Yeah, and it would be at like um, I remember the movies was what was that store that was like what's new or like like Granny Mays that's yeah it was like Granny Mays type store <laughs> would have that kind of stuff there Um, I remember you could get the posters when the cinema didn't want them anymore Yeah, and you know the like it's like the proper legit poster where there's a there's obviously there's the front and then yeah. you look at it from the back and it's not yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's like everything's back to front. Yeah. Hard to explain. I don't but know. I think that's so because I had to get those posters, they have light behind them in the cinema. Like yeah. they've got a like they're on a light panel, so they have to push through the light. Oh yeah. And they have to have like the same image exactly reverse. Yeah. Pretty sick. Dude. I never had thought about that before until just then. Are I was you, like, are, oh, you that's a, are you a, like are you a sucker for like old sort of um you know, like talking about video shops yeah. and like I, I feel like um um, like cinemas, right? Yeah. Like they still exist, but there's um, as people say, like seeing things on the big screen. Mm. Do you ever do the the like the midnight release or anything like? Oh, that? sometimes. <laughs> what was the last one that I did? I guess uh, not so much anymore. I, when all the Star Wars movies, the new yeah. ones came out, I did go with my friends because that was like me and Henry would go to every single one. Yeah, I noticed you, you folks down here get a. Few yeah. more premieres than we do. Like, yeah, now I, I, I guess because I go to premieres, I don't yeah. have to go to the midnight screenings anymore. <laughs> well, I got to go to the um, Fast and Furious one. Yeah, in Brazil. Sick, dude. But um, did you have fun? Yeah, it was yeah. Fun. like just you know those like you know it's good. It is good to scrutinize things mm. down to to a T. Yeah, but it's good sometimes to just switch your brain off too, and like like because it's such a dumb movie. But it was just like I was like laughing. And like this is like not comedy laughing, yeah. like this is stupid. But yeah. also just just fun, you know? Like cars driving out of planes and stuff. And yeah. Good dumb fun, you know. Exactly. I love those movies. I didn't like the new one very much. It's the only one I didn't like. But I love all of the fast movies, apart from the new one. Oh well that was the one. That yeah. was the one that was like I was at that. This is silly like too. <laughs> it's like, oh I can't I'm not getting into it as much. But the one like, before why is that, Jason Momoa like it. flamboyant and like <laughs> I did love him in it. I think he was my fave. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy twists. And yeah, stuff. exactly. <laughs> but I think I'm agree with you where I don't... I think that there's more... I can, when it comes to f me and talking about film, I always prefer to celebrate rather than like scrutinize and yeah. dig down. But also when I do do stuff like that, it's because I think that um, 
you know, people like us, we deserve better entertainment yeah. we, as an audience. We deserve, but, we should be <laughs> demanding more from our movies. Yeah. Do you, like, I was thinking, um, you know, it's like for me, there's like a famous, like talking about the castle mm. before. And so there's a famous thing where David Stratton, like yeah. gave it a bad review and then redid a review. Oh, and it's like, wow. oh, that's controversial. Because yeah. he's like, and it can be that thing of like, you, Oh, I, I was I was seeing it from the wrong point of view. Mm. But what I wanted to ask you: Would you like to be known as this guy's like, like kind of like controversial views, or like like seeing it from a different way that other people don't? Yeah, I think um, I don't, that's a great point. <laughs> do, you I, ha- do you have any like review heroes? Like you know, like, I love Margaret and David's. Yeah. They were so important to me, man. Like and I, I, I've met both of them now, and. I still remember both the times I met them for the first time because I was just like trailblazers, right? I was. I think that they they really were special too because I think what they did best uh, was they were really good at introducing people to films, yeah. And especially uh, with that show, they would you know they review big movies, but then they also be like you know it's some tiny Hungarian movie, yeah. And they give it the same amount of press, and, and I was like that's fucking awesome. And, and we don't have that anymore. I love like Margaret's on her own little crusade for like. Like banned movies, making sure yeah. they get shown, and like she's a big anti um what is it censorship? Anti censorship. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I really idolize both of those people. I think they're such heroes. There's one episode of the movie show when they were on SBS, and they've been doing reruns of it in the last couple, yeah. the last year or so. And it was an episode that came on, and immediately I knew what episode. I was like, "This is my favorite episode. This yeah. is the one I always remembered." And the f- it starts off. They review the Twenty Fifth Hour, the Spike Lee movie. Oh, David yeah, loves yeah. it. Margaret doesn't like it. She doesn't love Spike Lee movies. <laughs> Later on, she reviews by herself the movie Bulletproof Monk with Chow Yun Fat <laughs> and Sean William just Scott. A, just like a dumb, action. a dumb action movie. But she loves action movies, and she's like, "Yeah, this is great." And she's talking about like Chow Yun Fat and how Chow Yun Fat and John Woo when they work together, it's one of the great pairings of actors, directors everywhere. And I was like, "Oh, I remember this episode. This is why I love her because she's so like." Um, about her taste yeah. and it's just like you know there's no leeway to what a popular opinion should be yeah. I really like that she was like I like action movies and then the next movie that they that she reviewed was Too Fast Too Furious <laughs> and she gave it four and a half stars Yeah, and I was like that never left me that was like yeah. this is a really serious film critic this is a really se- person who really understands and loves film and she's like I love I'm a rev yeah. head I love these car movies I love Too Fast and Furious she gave it four and a half stars she yeah. just loved it so much I, I love to see your passion for the reviewer because mm-hmm. it's like I know you love movies and yeah. then seeing your because like for me it's like I remember this is such a dumb mm. thing but like being a young guy who was like really into the Adam Sandler movies yeah. and I hated the TV guide critics for giving Adam Sandler movies like one star. I'll never forget and it. Like, and I used to be like, and now I get it more, like the view, right? Yeah. They're like, what, you know, there's like Oscar bait and there's like mm-hmm. well-made movies. But I used to be like, oh, you're all stuck up. You only I want agree. Like, yeah. I love Sandler. He was yeah. my one of my first guys. I loved Sandler movies. I still do. Yeah. I gave Hubie Halloween four stars and <laughs> Mike Goldstein gave me shit about it. <laughs> um, I also, uh, in you, that same you- episode of... At the of the movie show was when the end of the episode they're talking about um, Ken Park 
which was the it's Larry Clark film that got banned, and yeah. it was meant to be playing Sydney Film Festival. Yeah, that was the one I remember. Let, and it was the same episode that had all of this in, and they're like, "Let us know about what you think about Ken Park." I was like, "Holy shit, these guys were so fucking cool." Yeah, well, I love that. That's what I'm saying. I love that you're like passionate about not only movies but reviewers. Mm. And do you have like your heroes? Like, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're my two. They're my two. And it's hard to separate them from anyone else. But then there's like, you know, people that you discover. Like, obviously, Paul, I love Pauline Kale, who's like yeah. a great critic, big Brian De Palma fan. And I really love that about her. That she's a big De Palma fan. What I, what I want to know is like, when, mm-hmm. when the review is being done, do you have the like, the build up? Like, they, they're going through their explanation. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's almost like a sports fan when the goal yeah. goes in. Do you have like when the star gets dropped? Oh, <laughs> man, that's so fucking good, dude. <laughs> there are a few where you just like you delight in reading the review. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's. Okay, I'll tell you one of my favorite writers where I just I love that. Um, you like Anthony Bourdain? Like, uh, I, I, I've only very like limited knowledge, but like I know what he does, and yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorite writers, and I really delight in his patterns like the way that he can kind of form a sentence and it was one thing of his that like i've read all his books and all that shit i love him but there was one thing that always stuck with me was he did uh he used to do the recaps for the early seasons of top chef like the the reality tv show (laughs) for the show and it was just amazing because you just get a little capture of his writing style every week and it was one time where he described this guy who was like a line cook um, who was combative and Bourdain was on the show and this line cook uh, was like, you know, got he, he called him out on something. And I remember Bourdain described him as having a face like a clenched fist. And that was one of those ones where I was like, that's a beautiful sentence. Yeah. A w- beautiful description of this guy. And it was always like stuck in my head. I was like, that is good writing. And it was just writing. It's like writing about art, writing about culture. And I was like, just a great little moment or something that should be so simple. Yeah. But he put like his beauty into a little recap. Yeah. And it's been stuck and in my like- head for 20 years or something, man. I read it was 13. You know, you got that <laughs> saying like like um, the pen is more powerful mm-hmm. than the sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever it is. Mightier. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But th- I'm going for the vibe here. Not the, yeah. the words don't matter. But um, yeah, it's that thing of like you can say something that can be so powerful. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. Like you saying that and seeing your delight in the, yeah. like, the, the ultimate quote. And- that's it, man. It was like, that's the perfect quote. Just loved it so, so much. So hopefully one day... Some you can be mm-hmm. that create that and then pass it on. Like, oh, another, I pray. Another, I hope there's a little kid out there that's gonna like. I love Alexi it when he's talking about yeah. Austin Powers. He, yeah. he changed my life. That's what um. One thing I loved about um, like you and what you've done with Cam and that is like because um, this is our second pod. Do you remember the? I will Farley? never forget it. We did that a Chris was, Farley pod together. I reckon I still get messages about that podcast. <laughs> People go, "That's one of the funniest podcasts." Well, like because like I wanted to shine a light on Chris Farley because like I'm not, I'm not going to pretend he's like some weird, un- obscure underground artist. Mm-hmm. But he, but he does go a little bit him. under the radar a yeah. little bit. So it's good to shine those things. But you also shine 
some other unsung heroes like Austin Powers yeah. and Mike Myers. Yeah. And- that was an old podcast. We used to do Mic Check. Every now and then, we'll probably do one episode every year. But I, I still remember we did an episode where we got you to host a Chris Farley podcast for one episode yeah, was on that podcast. Was it Bridge Too Farley or something? So I think that's what it was Pretty called. Pun, yeah. And I remember, I still, it was one of those ones where I was like, okay, this is going to be so fun. And I remember editing it and going, fuck, this is so funny. And then putting it out. And then people immediately messaging going like, this is one of the funniest podcasts you guys have <laughs> ever made. And every now and then when someone, you, I get messages from people where they go back and they listen to all of those things. <laughs> and if someone had messaged me going this episode is fucking something else goxie is so funny with you guys oh thanks i've heard some um really lovely compliments from you guys which has made me light up my heart you know yeah i think it was um anyway we can talk about that off here <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um and it's really lovely i love hearing those sort of things it, it means a lot to me yeah I, I just have unfortunately i have this sort of like sarcastic Oh man! Where people yeah. when I go, that means a lot to me, and they think I'm going saying it sarcastically. Like, no, how can I prove it? Like, you got a resting sarcastic yeah, voice, yeah, Goxie. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> I think of you as a very genuine guy. Yeah, that's I the would problem. never accuse you of sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you being sarcastic? <laughs> oh, now it sounds yeah. like I've got the sarcastic voice. <laughs> so, Alexi, we've um, we've gone with the journey of you growing mm-hmm. up into mm-hmm. in and your first interest in things. So. Take us, take us to the next part of, of actually starting to do things. Was yep. it? Um, can you tell us? Um, so there was a bit of comedy. You're running gigs. Um, yeah, I would have been. I went to film school and did like a one year course, and then I left. And it was so. St- I was. St- I was young. I was like fucking nineteen or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, I can't. It's hard to figure out the pathway from there. But I was a huge comedy nerd. I loved. I loved comedy. I loved stand up comedy. I loved comedy films. And I was funny. I was like, fuck, yeah. well, this is what I wanted to go was into the comedy path. And um, I was like, well, it was really, at that time, it was like really fucking hard to just start doing stand-up because yeah. there was like no rooms that you could just go, oh, I want to try something out. But then at that time, when I started, all these other people started at the same time. And like at that time, by coincidence, was like, the sign up on the night rooms or yeah. we all started kicking off stuff like that and my best friend I remember that time, little period was pretty crazy it was, like it was sick some man. of those gigs was like 40 people at like yeah mug and kettle and at mug and kettle yeah. be like 40 people on a night and crazy, stuff yeah. it was really it was actually such a fun time of my life and I do think of that like, like that's what my 20s was comics you watching know comics. comics watching comics there'd be some audience members <laughs> but it'd be like a fucking Monday night we used to do a room uh, Mug and Kettle guys, Dan Muggleton used to run it, and it was um, a Monday night, late night open mic at the Sly Fox in Enmore, mm. and it, I think it would go until like two a.m. Wow! On a Monday night, as if there's audience members sitting around that's that some time. Real, like, it was like every that's Monday, some real kind of like shit you think happens in New York or something like. This is some New York shit. Yeah. Well, I think it didn't even last a year probably, but you know, that's the only stuff you can do in your early 20s. We're like, well, I no, don't really no have a job. I can stay up till fucking 4 a.m. on a Monday night with my friends drinking and smoking all night long. Yeah. And it was so much fun. This almost sounds exciting and thrilling to me now. Yeah. But also, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you, I couldn't do I'd it now. Like, i got to get my kids up to school in the morning. I know? romanticize it so much now because it's like, you know, it's 10 a, years yeah, ago now. thing of the past. But. And I just, I romanticize it so much. I'm like, ah, God, that was so much fun. So, I met all of you. I met you yeah. around that time. Well, you Cam do have these. I met Henry. I met then. 
there's these different errors, isn't mm. there? And it's almost like a time and a place. And yeah. Um, now I think people want to know that they're definitely on. Yeah. Because that like. I'm not going to go unless I'm definitely on. So exactly. That, but that Couldn't do it now. Time and a place where it was like, yeah, people showed... I guess they must have been just so hungry. It really was. I think it was because like there was... It was it was the first time you could just get up and perform and perform regularly. Yeah. Like I'd done a little bit of stand-up or comedy stuff before then. Like, you know, mm. but it would be like you, you do one spot and then three months later they go, do you want to do it again? And you do it then. Yeah. So at that time, my friend Nico Malian and I, we started that Green Lights, sh- uh, Green Lights Comedy Nights, which yeah. is a comedy show you did a couple of times. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and that, it was cool because we started the same time as like all the sign-up nights. So sign-up nights would be like the open mic. And then our show nicely became like the showcase yeah we could all show off and do stuff we were able to get a really sick audience in and like, stuff try it over here when it's nice and sparkly yeah that's it, it yeah. man I used to love running that show so much and it means so much to me like all the memories yeah. I have of that show and how much it meant to people but um, whenever I think about like I miss it would I ever do it again absolutely not because <laughs> I think I mainly miss being 23 years old than I yeah. <laughs> that I miss like running a stand up yeah. show and and one like I haven't put anything on like that for years. I mm. tried. I was really bad at. But one thing I found it's stressful because, like, people you find that people are never into your thing as much as you are. Yeah. And then so it magnifies like someone will be like, "Oh, sorry, I can't make it," or "Sorry, I'm running late." Or yeah. And then that like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to be like that. Exactly. You don't want to. You don't want to poison it. You yeah, don't want to poison yeah. something you love. And um. Like so, all the different. Um, so that was the the comedy stuff, yeah. and then um, when did you sort of like like with filmmaking? Mm. And what was your first foray into that sort of? Oh, uh, it would have been like I used to make little videos and stuff when I was a kid, but I think as well I used to uh, write a lot of short stories and shit when I was in school. And I think it was because. Um, I didn't know how to make the movies I wanted to make because I love like fucking Scorsese and like stuff. I loved gangster movies. I loved Westerns. I loved those kind of films when I was growing up. And I think that's what I wanted to make so i kept on just like writing these like hardcore gangster short stories and stuff Scarface down yeah under, dude like, like literally Scarface things not even down under because i'm writing i'm like it is set in chicago it's like <laughs> yeah. just write whatever i want and like all of those kind of things and then it was um man then, we gotta find this shit is this like stuck i wonder where they are yeah. they might be somewhere but it was always like you know i would it's write it's pulpy it's versions of like the movies i loved i would write those kind of things it's, it's kind of like because it because of like it was a teenage years mm. so it's kind of like these little bits of short stories mixed in amongst like some gross sort of <laughs> socks that have been wanked into and stuff <laughs> yeah thank Sorry, goodness, am, I, am uh... I projecting my own teenage years on that <laughs> Other people, thank goodness they were all digital files, so it's yeah. not physical copies. You know, it's with pages stuck together yeah, because yeah. I was a hormonal mess as a yeah. teenager. Oh man, <laughs> sorry for talking this grotty stuff. <laughs> I love the grub shit. Yeah. Oh man, it's grotty. Yeah. Mm, and so yeah, that's why I I, I want to write those. And I guess I went to uni, I went to film school, I started making shorts and stuff there. Started making docos, and I really liked making doco stuff. And that was kind of where there was a point where I was like, oh, I want to. Uh, have you ever see that movie Catfish? The movie before the no. TV series. It's like I've seen Swordfish, but not Catfish. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm always gonna get a swordfish reference. I love, yeah. dude. I my dad's cleaning out like his uh, all his stuff at the moment, and I was going through his DVDs and picking stuff out, and I found um I, I wonder if it was my copy or might have been my stepbrother's copy of uh swordfish. It was like an old version. Do you remember the DVDs used to come in those cardboard things that have that little plastic clip that would close oh, them? Yeah, yeah. It was that, and I was looking at the back, and fucking one of the special features on the disc was um. The Rove live swordfish interview segments. Oh, I was like, that's crazy. I yeah. sent a picture to Rove. I was like, do you know this? Do you remember this happening? <laughs> that's crazy. You just like you, you just got Rove on your phone. Like, I texted, day, I've yeah. got Rove. He's my most famous yeah. number. Oh, awesome. We could call him now. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Like, wait, that's not even a Rove thing. <laughs> what the? Who would you turn gay for? No. Well, we'll have the answer soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't hold up too well. It was a different time. It was a different era. It was 2003. Exactly. You can't put 2003's <laughs> expectations. No, other way around. You can't put 2023's expectations on. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, short stories, just being mm. creative in general. Um, one thing we did talk about like a little bit with the comedy is yep. not seeing entry points. Yeah. But did you feel that way with, with filmmaking or, um, totally with filmmaking, I didn't know how to get in. Um, and, but I th- honestly, the, I think the only way I was able to break in since was because of comedy. Like I got kind yeah. of, you know, cause I was doing comedy at the time, doing stand up very often and like had my own stand up night that I hosted every month that was like really popular. I got kind of known a little bit and it had an audience. And so when I was going to like podcasting shit, I think that's helped going to podcasting from there yeah. has helped like every aspect of like it trying all- to get into things because I had of- an audience, you know? Yeah, they all kind of bleed into each other. They all bleed into each other. I think that's like what you, what I want to do is like, yeah, everything feels the same. I'm the same person on everything. So of like, you know, different factors of my yeah. stuff. Because like my biggest love would be comedy movies mm-hmm. and series, right? Yeah. Like I do like stand up, but not as mm. intense as some people really get into it. Yeah. Whereas for me, like growing up, like in the 90s, Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. Full Frontal, The Castle. These sort of I things. loved Full Frontal as yeah. well. You and I had so, a very similar taste in our comedy, I think. Yeah. And those were my favorite, but mm. it does not seem realistic. Yeah. It seems like, oh, if I wanted to, I'd have to sort of learn, study something if I had to act or, yeah. or become qualified. Whereas comedy feels a lot more entry. Like, oh, yeah. go, go down to your local pub and. Because it's you doing it, you know. It's like the that's the thing. Is like the entry point. It's just breaking through that first barrier. Yeah, and and open mics is literally like no one gets refused, right? Like yeah, you got a mic, you got a set. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which is good and bad. I'd say mainly bad. Yeah, you do. A lot of people don't have that filter of like I'm not funny. Exactly, you witness a lot of stuff in those open mics. Oh man. I remember early on, I was like, like, oh, telling mates, like, give it a go, give it a yeah. go. And after a few years, you like, you stop that because you're like, there's, no, there's too many people. Yeah. We need less to give it <laughs> yeah, a go. Exactly. Like, yeah. You need to start going like, hey, man, maybe you should quit. <laughs> you should start. Yeah, you got to yeah. flip it. Oh, man. <laughs> and some of the people you just see like who stay at it too, mm. like, they just don't have that filter, right? Or, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not here to bag people. <laughs> that's next episode. <laughs> Yeah, so um well, so that's the that that, that that's the Alexi journey. That's um, my journey, yeah. man, and it led what? me all to this point yeah. where we're sitting in my 
I guess, kitchen slash dining area. Yeah. Doing a podcast together. Do you have, like, we we're talking about Rove. Is mm-hmm. there like a, a pinch me moment where it's like Dude, interviewing someone? Oh my God. Or, yeah. Yes. Actually, meeting Rove was a big one. Yeah. Because I, you know, we're same vintage. That show was my fucking world. That's what I was like. That's what I want to do. Yeah. That was the one. And truly, like, meeting Rove for the first time was like, oh my God. God, and the first time I met him, I was working on a show that he was developing or ho- or hosting. Um, and I remember Hamo like introduced me. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. Did you do this is a Justin Hamilton. You do a, a bit of stuff with him. Or? Yeah, I love Hamo. He yeah. was someone also also super idolized yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's we had we worked together a bunch on a couple of different shows yeah. here and there. Well, I think I was telling you this. Um, before we start recording, mm. but for me, it's like the because people will ask me, they're like, "Oh, what's it like working with bigger people?" Mm. And I, for I think for some people, it's like, um, like the more modern names, like they're yeah. like, "Oh, you do gigs with like I don't know Tom Ballard or yeah. Tom Gleeson." But oh, I shouldn't say Tom. I was gonna say for me, it's 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 people I grew up with. Yes. So like, I got to do a quick thing on a Sean McCaleb show. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Did a podcast with John Saffron, so yeah. things like that. Because yeah. it feels like they've been a part of your life, like growing up and stuff. It's so much like that. Like you know, when you get to meet those people along the way, it's so crazy. Like yeah. um, whereas I, like yeah, like I'm not a starstruck, but like a Mad kind or a yeah, because yeah. you know them. You know, yeah, you start like, with them and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But like uh, some of the directors I met have really um, I remember. The Australian filmmaker Gillian Armstrong, yeah. who made uh, Starstruck, My Brilliant Career, a bunch of that. Yeah. I I used to host, I used to do movie reviews on this ABC TV show, The Mix, and I remember. Yeah, I I've was, seen you on there. That's cool. She came up to me and was like, "Oh, are you, I remember you recommended this movie. I saw it and I loved it. And I was like, "Oh my god, you're Gillian Armstrong!" <laughs> and I just like got so starstruck for it. Like, I like yeah. your- because I, I used like, to, um, I was like, oh, actually, your version of Little Women is my favorite version of Little Women. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. my biggest like, no, I wouldn't use the word regret, but like, sort mm. of, um, squeaky voice teen, sort of was like when a band would come to town, mm. and I'd go to like where they're undoing, unloading their gear yeah. or whatever, and be like, your album means a lot to me. Yeah. It got me through tough times, and like, and then I haven't, I didn't do that for a long time. Right? Yeah, but this is like younger years, but it's that same thing of like, you want to tell them. They mean a lot to you. Man, it's cool when that happens. Like recently, I think that's what... It's weird when you say the pinch me moment. I'd never thought about it like that. But I think right now, I'm I'm getting to that point where I'm like, oh, it's becoming the norm, which is cool. Yeah. It's like I hosted the 30th anniversary of Bad Boy Bubby Sick. with the director and yeah. Nicholas Hope to star. And the, the whole hour before, Rolf to hear the director was there and we just like had a drink. And he was yeah. eating a pack of chips with me. I was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. fucking crazy. He's Those telling me the- about like all these things that he's working on, yeah. like talking about his career. And I was like, this is And those events are a cool, dream. right? Because, um, you know, how, like before I'm talking about comparing different things, mm. right? And um, one thing about filmmaking, you don't often, because it can be something that's viewed at home, right? Yeah. You don't often get to share it with fans. Yeah. And I often thought about this thing, like obviously there's heaps of like, Simpsons discussion and memes yeah. and stuff all over the net. So it's not like Simpsons fans don't have yeah. their moment. But I'd love to be in like a cinema with like Simpsons playing. Dude, right? Did you go see the Simpsons yeah. movie when it came out? Yeah, not that. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, Bart's that, Pecker up on the yeah. big screen, flapping oh, around. Man. I got my opinion. I don't like that. Anyway, 
But you know what I mean? Like getting people yeah. together, mm-hmm. fans, and also to celebrate that. Like that that must have been good to celebrate that film again. Dude, too. it rocked. It was yeah. so cool because there's people that have been watching the movie all the time. They've seen it like hundreds of times. Yeah. And then there was a bunch of young people who had never seen it before. Yeah. And it was such a thrill to like see people. Because it's like, Bad Boy Bobby, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking weird movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like- Well, I just recently saw, um, no one was there who mm-hmm. made it, but I saw Con Air in the cinemas. Yeah, sick. And that was like a, like, we all know what's coming next. We're yeah. not we're not seeing this to see it, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. It's yeah. like, it's more the experience. It's to share it, to yeah, share yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like For, what- To be there with fellow Con Air heads. Exactly. I think, <laughs> you know, one thing that uh, I really appreciate and, you know, uh, people from- comedy live comedy background i think you really get to witness what uh the collective nature of an audience is and like how powerful that is and i think that translates so nicely to cinema as well where you just like you go there is really something special about sharing this moment with people especially like-minded people if you're like you know and like you know what i'm saying about like viewing at home and Mm. it's like maybe it's not the best like that's why comedy can be great Mm. to see what makes people laugh and stuff and but even like, you know, movies have those iconic moments yeah. and to see how people react. and Yeah, what's even, an iconic moment you remember in the cinema? What's um, one you remember seeing and oh, sharing? Oh, you put me on the spot there. Yeah, putting... Probably you in can say, You can say Bart Specker if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was uh, the horniest moment. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had to go to... You know. <laughs> no. Um, oh, man, you put me on the spot. Mm. What do you, do you mean like... Just something where it's like, whoa, did that yeah. happen? Did you or, have one where you're just like, whoa, you just looked at the I, people I next like, to you? Um, maybe it was like Speed, like the bus doing the yeah. jump and stuff. Like, yeah. Um, Love that movie. You know, and plays and we've got to be careful with spoiler alerts if anyone's listening yeah. hasn't seen some of these things. Plays the great The bus makes it over. <laughs> but, you know, and then there's like, um, because the 90s were great for mm-hmm. like, um, like the thriller moments, right? Yeah. Like the, the revelation in Seven of yeah. the, the head and yeah. Um, the usual success, suspects, usual suspects. Yeah, yeah. That era, the twisty turny era, <laughs> where it's like, holy shit. But I'd love to like, yeah. I'd love to just, I'd love to go to more th- events like that. Yeah. Mm. yeah, there's some good stuff. Are you in Brisbane these days? Yeah, uh, I'm just about to move to Melbourne. Though. Yeah, well, yeah. both cities have really good scenes for that kind of like yeah. retro stuff now, retro yeah. screenings and like fun things. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if you're, I, I, you know, I've been keeping an eye on like what you guys do here, and then mm. you've been doing it for a while, eh? Like with um, sort of um, hosting yeah things. It's and- it's pretty sick, man. I would say like in in all like if you're a listener, if you're listening. And this goes to you as well, Goxie. Yeah. But it's I like want to do more c- things like that. Like um, yeah. a few years ago, um, I think we've got to get better at it because we hadn't done it before. But me and Jonathan Schuster did mm. um, sort of like talking over Rush Hour. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. I used to do that at the Golden Age Cinema. I did the my, the best ones to the most fun movies to talk over, Twilight. Oh, really? Because they're crazy. It, there's something happening in every single second of yeah. those movies. Did you feel comfortable? Like, See, my problem was mm. like, do people want to see it or do mm. they want me chiming in? But you got to be confident where like, well, yeah. they wouldn't have come if they didn't exactly. want me. Exactly. So you have I, to make sure they know what's going on. I was just kept apologizing. I'd say something like, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Like, you got to make sure they know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We want to know what Chris Tucker's going to do. <laughs> what's Chris and like um, Jackie going to do next? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's a good one for the buddy. 
buddy cop sort mm, of thing. Yeah. I love Rush Hour. I'm a big Jackie Chan guy. Yeah. I just rewatched a movie that I, I think I'd seen it when I was in high school when I was going through like, you know, Hong Kong action phase. I'm going back through like Hong Kong martial arts movies yeah. now. See, you truly are Tarantino. I love them, Tarantino man, because they're under. so whack. And yeah. I've been watching um, this great one called Gorgeous. And it's like a romantic comedy, a Taiwanese romantic comedy. Um, oh, it's like, what is it? It's Hong Kong or Taiwanese. It's like, I think it's got like a multi, it's really, it's a weird movie because it's like a rom-com and then there's just a Jackie Chan yeah. martial arts movie in it. And in that film, there's this guy in the film, um, I gotta remember his name. Um, he's an Australian martial artist um, who was like Jackie Chan's protege in uh, like his stunt team. Uh, and he's just like, I went down a rabbit hole of just like, his name is Brad Allen. Oh. And he's like an incredible martial artist. He was an Aussie guy. Um, and I think from Canberra, maybe. We punch above our weight, man. And he, he recently passed away. But the last thing that he worked on was on uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, with you know a fellow other Aussie Ronnie Chang was in that movie oh really yeah. yeah so he's like and that was one I was like holy shit I love Jackie Chan movies yeah yeah I love um cause there's like he's got you he obviously got the comedy element mm. to it right you know like yeah doesn't mind taking the piss out of himself a bit yeah um well, Alexi, thank you very much for taking on the journey Dude. of the Alexi story, which has very pleasure. many more chapters to add. Now, I still don't really have a title for this, but <laughs> we're going to call it Goxie's Wikipedia Corner. Yeah. Um, welcome to Goxie's Wikipedia Corner. This is where the guests... I love this theme tune. This is where the guests... <laughs> yeah, I just made that up there. This is where the guest chooses a Wikipedia page and we look at it together. So, mm -hmm. Alexi... Have you done your homework and accepted the challenge? I have accepted the challenge and I've picked a Wikipedia page that uh, is one that I've been obsessed with forever. It is for a film. Uh, it's for surprise, a surprise. No, no. It's, it's <laughs> one I've never seen. I've never seen this movie, but I've read this Wikipedia page a lot. Um, and it's for the coming of age romantic drama from 2002, A Walk to Remember. Based right. on the Nicholas Sparks novel. So, should I put in A Walk to Remember? A Walk to Remember. Here we go. I like that coming of age is a, like a mm -hmm. subgenre. Like, Absolutely. Does that basically just mean teenagers are in it or what? It's a teenager's movie. It's like a teenage romantic film. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't even remember. Oh, I don't. I remember why I discovered it. The You know the song Dancing in the Moonlight? Yes, I do. So there's a cover featured in this film of that. I remember I wanted, I had that song stuck in my head. I downloaded it and purchased it on iTunes. And the cover art was for this movie, Dancing, uh, for this movie, A Walk to Remember. Didn't know what this movie was. One day, I was on the train home from work from one of my very first jobs. I was like 20, 21 years old. And I got, I, I must have been getting sick during that day. And by the by afternoon going home, um, I had must have had a high fever and I was completely delirious. I, I, my we're talking brain, Eddie Murphy. We're talking full-blown Eddie Murphy and my brain was completely fried and hot and I put on uh, this... I, I clicked on this Wikipedia article and the plot is so intensely written on this compared to any other film. Yeah. And it's so like beautifully and emotionally written 
I fucking started crying reading this Wikipedia article. For oh this wow! Movie. This is—I just want to say this is what I'm after. I want mm-hmm. powerful Wikipedia pages that kind of. This is exactly like because mm-hmm. I'll look up things where I don't know the thing. I yep. haven't seen it, watched it, heard it, whatever. But just the the coverage of the page—they get yeah. into the fucking yeah. emotions of this movie, and I started. So weeping. where should we? Where should you we? Re- I'll just—it's a we go long into plot. plot should I just read the whole plot? Yeah, it's. Do you know the other thing with Wikipedia, I've done. Mm-hmm. I've had things that I haven't watched. Yeah, and I've read the plot, and it yeah. covers it so well. This one is. Intense, I don't need to man. watch it. All right, let's. You'll get never in. need to watch this movie. He, the popular and rebellious teenager Landon Carter is threatened with expulsion from school after he and his friends leave evidence of underage drinking on the school grounds <laughs> and seriously injure another student as a result of a prank. The head of the school gives Landon. I, the I like choice. the uh, idea of evidence of underage drinking. So like <laughs> they left. So it's like beer cans. Mm-hmm. Next to IDs that say under 18. <laughs> the head of the school gives Landon the choice of being expelled or atoning for his actions by tutoring fellow students and participating in the school play. During these functions, Landon notices Jamie Sullivan, a girl he has known since kindergarten and who has attended many of the same classes as him and who is also the local minister's oh. daughter. Since he's one of the in crowd, he has seldom paid any attention to Jamie, who wears modest dresses all the time and owns only one sweater. Oh. She makes no attempt to wear makeup or otherwise improve her looks or attract attention to herself. This is one of those classic where um, they remove the glasses and the nerd becomes hot. It's all about like them being from the different side of the tracks. Like she's this oh. good religious girl. He's this. I'm going to uh, skip ahead a little bit. On the opening night of the plane, Jamie astounds land and the entire audience with the beauty of and her voice on stage at the peak of the ending or to the play Jamie sings when Jamie finishes Landon kisses her which is not part of the play Jamie avoids Landon after the play and it's not until Landon's friend play a cruel prank on Jamie and he protects her in opposition to his friends that she warms up to him Landon asks Jamie on a date but soon after Jamie says her father doesn't allow her to date Landon asks her father if he can date his daughter reluctant at first he gives in on their first date, Landon helps Jamie fulfill her list of things she wants to achieve in life, such as being in two places at once and getting a tattoo. After that, they go to the docks. Jamie tells Landon about her experiences in belief and how it's like the winds. It is then that he tells her he might want to kiss her now. On another date, when Jamie's very silent and unfocused, Landon asks Jamie what her plans for the future are. She confesses she isn't making any because she has leukemia oh, no. and hasn't been responding to treatment. A desperate Landon asks her father, his father for help in curing her, but he's disappointed in his reply and heads on a long drive home thinking <laughs> about Jamie. God. One day, his friends become aware of the tragedy looming for Jamie and Landon. They give the support to him. Jamie's condition grows worse and she goes to the hospital. Still in hospital, Jamie gives Landon a book that once belonged to her mother. She states that maybe God sent Landon to help her through the rough times <laughs> and that Landon is her angel. Unbeknownst to Landon, Jamie is given private home care by Landon's estranged father, relieving her father's financial burden. Landon visits his dad, tearfully thanking him for his help. And this is, there's so much stuff on this. I'm going to keep on going to the end. This is like, they have no sort of sense of less is more. It's no. just like, and then do this, and then do that. It's everything. I'm just going to skip towards the end. Yeah. It is then that Landon asks to marry him. 
Jamie tearfully accepts and they get married in the church in which her deceased mother got married. Jamie and Lennon spend their last summer together, filled with a deep love like no other. Jamie dies when summer ends. Four years later, Landon has finished college and been accepted to medical school. Landon visits Reverend Sullivan to return him Jamie's precious book that belonged to her mother. Landon apologizes to the Reverend that Jamie did not witness a miracle, an ambition she expressed in the class yearbook. The Reverend disagrees, saying that in fact she did and that her miracle was Landon. Landon visits Doc's contemplating the belief that although Jamie is dead, that she is with him. It is then that he understands love is like the wind. You can see, you can't see it, but you can feel oh, it. That is beautiful. <laughs> what what I love is like, and I'm just on the train reading that sentence. I just start sobbing. Yeah. Well, what I love, this is all under the section known as plot, right? Mm-hmm. But generally, plot is meant to like summarize things. <laughs> summarize this the plot movie. is like telling you they write like, out what love is and <laughs> the wind and all this stuff. They write word for word like the experience oh, of man. the film. That is so good. Thank you for that, Alexa. <laughs> you it's truly, you truly captured movie. the spirit of what I want in that segment. <laughs> and look, like, it's a huge Wikipedia page. There's yeah. like thousands and thousands of words on here. And it's like, I don't even. I haven't even watched that and I feel like I have now. Yeah. It's just like I've got the whole vibe of what exactly. that's about. You know, Jamie played by Mandy Moore. Of course, the beautiful songstress herself. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how like the glasses were removed and you find out she's hot. <laughs> they love that in that era, you know? Like, yeah. She's the one. or whatever. like They play... It's like a girl was playing soccer. And- mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming on, Alexi, and taking us on that delightful journey. Oh, my pleasure, man. As soon as you said it, I was like, I can't wait to do this with you. <laughs> well, you know, we'll just do... Hopefully the next time is not five years apart or whatever it was. Oh, man. We'll have to do another pod together soon, soon, soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I'm sure... like. Uh, people can see you everywhere. Is there anything you'd like people to check out? Or? Yeah, Cam James and I have just gone back into the podcast world. We're doing a weekly podcast called Special Features with Cameron James and Lexi Toliopoulos, where we celebrate the past, present, and future of popular culture every week. So we pick like old news stories, new news stories, yeah. and whatever, something we really want to talk about. So it's real fun, real silly. It's mainly us riffing about like, oh, you know, Kings stuff we're thinking that we think's crazy. Yeah. You <laughs> um, guys love the riff. Yeah. And you can check out our other series, Finding Drago and Desperado on uh, podcasts, any yeah. podcasts. And, and like I our said, YouTube show, Finding Jesus, that we made with Auntie Donna. Yeah. And like I said, there's um, always live stuff happening. Like, yeah. Um, We're always doing live shit. Keep an, keep an eye on that. Yeah. Oh, and also, I'll give another plug. Mike Check, listen to the podcast we did with you. It's so <laughs> funny. Um, it's uh, We talked about, is it Tommy Boy or we talked about Black Sheep? We oh, talked about Black Sheep. Yeah, one of them. One of those. Two great classic Spade and Polly movies. Um, I've since come to my senses that Tommy Boy is better, but I was, for mm-hmm. a long time I was a... A defender of black sheep. Yeah, I love them both. I yeah. can't separate them. I think they're both fantastic. Nah, Tommy's the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Alexi. See you later. Bye. See ya. Coxie's having a yarn because he's got nothing better to do. Coxie's having a yarn and one day he might have one with you.